Welcome back to the Get Unstuck and On Target podcast. I'm Mike O'Neill with Bench Builders, and we help growing companies, especially manufacturers, improve their people, process, and planning systems so they can scale smarter and faster. Joining me today is Heather Williams. Heather is the VP of Client Success and Broker Development for Chattanooga Bay Steam Logistics. I met Heather at the annual meeting of the International Business Council. We had a rich conversation and I've asked Heather to share her insights on client success and how to provide best-in-class service. Welcome, Heather. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate it so much. Thanks for having me here today. I mentioned that we had a rich conversation. In a short conversation, I, I kind of walked away saying, you know what, our mm-hmm. listeners need to know more about Heather. They need to know more about STEAM logistics. And I think what really caught my attention, too, is some things that I think STEAM logistics is doing that really differentiates. But as a starting point, tell us a little bit more about who is STEAM logistics. Yeah, so uh, we are a third-party logistics company based here in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Um, We've recently um, expanded our branches over several cities across the United States, and we kind of help facilitate the movement of shipments uh, from door to door. So we are um, internationally, domestically, uh, we offer a drage providing service as well as customs clearance for um, consumers all over. And um, we have been in Chattanooga, uh, we, we were the international arm um, that broke away from Access America in 2012 and kind of developed our branches and developed our modes of transportation that we offer um, and have been based here in Chattanooga since then and are thriving and doing well. You mentioned a term drayage. There may mm-hmm. be folks out there who don't know what that means. What is drayage? Yeah, so when a container comes across the ocean on a vessel, on a ship, um, it arrives at the port of destination um, on our shorelines here in the United States. And from that move, we have to take that container from the port of destination to a warehouse where it's then unloaded and then put on the back of a truck. And so that short little small distance move is what we call drayage. Thank you. I appreciate it. Logistics and supply chains. Boy, those terms come up and sometimes they're used interchangeably, but they're not the same, are they? Well, so the supply chain is going to be all of, you know, what encompasses uh, all things freight oriented and logistics is kind of figuring out how we move that freight. Um, So they're not exactly the same, uh, but they are kind of used together often and and specifically with me, I guess. Well, as you know, at this annual meeting that I was referring to, that was the topic of conversation, and that is supply chain and the challenges. And one of your uh, officials was one of the panelists, and I got to know a little bit more about STEAM logistics kind of in that process. Now that you told us a little bit about STEAM logistics, I introduce you as the VP of Client Success and Broker Development. Why don't we break that down? How does... STEAM logistics define client success? Yeah, that's really um, a great point. So it's a new term coined to the 3PL word, right, world. Um, You see it often in tech industry, um, and it's basically best-in-class customer service. Um, But um, it developed last May here at STEAM. Um, I was actually the first person to kind of get it going here at STEAM alongside um, John Painalt, who is our CCO. 
Um, and what we use it as is it's infrastructure support, not only internally, but also externally. So providing this best-in-class customer experience for our external stakeholders, our clients, but also providing um, support, resources, education, and development for our internal parties. Um, Theme has grown exponentially, um, and we are growing fast. And with that explosive growth, you, you have to have some sort of internal support. So client success encompasses both sides of, of that spectrum. So that's what caught my attention in our conversation, and that is you, you pointed out client success. People kind of think, okay, you're taking care of your clients, but when you mentioned that client success applies internally, mm-hmm. that is making sure that internal client relationships are, are strong. Um, as, as you step back and kind of look at you and your role, um, how would you kind of differentiate assuring client success for external clients versus internal clients? Which ones have you found perhaps most challenging? Which of those two? Well, honestly, with the explosive growth that we have had uh, within Steam, uh, probably internal has been challenging just because we we really want to cultivate that um, natural creativity of our in, of our sales folks, our, our brokers, right? Um, and so with with that, everybody has their own opinions. They have their own way that they manage their book of business. But with client success, we're we're kind of coming alongside um, and providing that support tool to help them manage that book of business effectively and using our best practices. Um, so we're we're like a governing light for our internal employees, whereas externally we're very um, uh, providing a resource tool, education, data analytics for our um, external cl- uh, stakeholders. We're trying to make sure that they have everything that they need to operate business effectively and that the relationship that they develop with STEAM is very deep and it's a, it's a valued partnership. So externally, it's easier, I think, in my opinion, because I'm just providing what it is that we are already internally doing. Um, internally, the challenge is, is that there's lots of different brokers that have all their creative uh, way that they manage their business. And we're just trying to kind of come alongside them and help support them in the best way that we know possible. Um, and there's a lot of them too, right? So we have over 700 employees here at Steam now. Um, so there's a lot of hands that we touch. Um, there's a lot of different types of businesses that we touch and uh, it can be very challenging, but it's also very rewarding. You, know, you mentioned fast growth. Um, mm-hmm. On one hand, that is the, the dream of a business is to experience fast growth, but with fast growth comes some of the challenges that you've kind of made um, reference to. Can we talk about the industry that you're in right now? It seems as if there are lots of companies that do the kind of work that 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 you do. Is that correct? Yeah, so there's probably anywhere between probably 17,000 and 20,000 brokers across the United States companies, brokerages. Um, everywhere from your small two operation, two man operation, all the way up to your your big names um, in the industry uh, that have, you know, hundreds and hundreds of offices and many, many employees. Um, so um, part of what, you know, differentiates theme individually is I think kind of some of the some of the things that we uh, hold dear and near to our hearts how we handle our uh, engagement our culture is very very important that's a big throw around word right now in our industry and in in any kind of corporation is, is culture um, and what we create here is is just a unique environment um, 
with that best in class service, with those resources, that internal infrastructure that we're providing, it's kind of setting us apart from some of our competitors because we're able to do more and provide more um, than maybe you know your your average brokerage. So it's it's setting us apart. It's creating a very unique environment, and it's something that our customers continue to want to come back to and and develop more with. I want to come back to the culture here um, in, in just a moment. Um, one of the things that when you're talking about client success, mm-hmm. um, it kind of crosses my mind. How do you measure client success? That's a great question. Um, so there's a couple of different things that we do to measure what it is and how we're impacting. Um, some of that is we do reviews with employees. Um, we're measured by kind of our 30, 60, 90 review on, on some of those new employees that we bring in. Um, we measure our ability to um, have more than one uh, customer in different modes of transportation. So mm. let's say that we have um, a client that's doing international, they get client success involved and they decide to um, now do drayage and maybe domestic with us. So we're measured there. Um, we're also measured on our impact across the organization. So our activity, we, we use a um, customer management system called Salesforce and kind of our activity levels. But um, it's a lot of it is value add, value proposition. Um, and then, you know, and then we have some actual physical numbers that we try to obtain and reach. All right. That's helpful. we touched on very briefly culture and Mm -hmm. that is when you're in a very fast growth mode establishing culture and perpetuating that culture is challenging for any fast growth organizations Um, I've read on your company's website about core values and because that is part of the DNA of your culture can we go through those because I'd like you to kind of comment on some of these let me read them if I might yeah. Respect the team. Never settle. Obsess over the customer. Greatness requires grit. Collaborate and commit. And do right. When I read those off, I know those are very, very familiar to to you. Which of those? I think does that add up? I think that's six. Mm-hmm. Of those six, which have you found? as VP of Client Success and Broker Development, which of those have been perhaps most challenging? Let's see. I would say um, back to team, collaborate, commit, never settle. Greatness requires grit. I would definitely say collaborate and commit is a challenging one um, only because that is is my intent, right? In my role, it is my job um, to get our groups to collaborate together. It is my job to... I work as a liaison across the different modes that we offer here, our different departments. Um, and people have strong opinions about what it is that they want to do or what they want to accomplish or um, be successful in. And I think that when you can remove egos and um, kind of lay things out very objectively, you can get a lot done. And when you're kind of this outside uh, person that's involved in everybody's business and how they manage their business, um, it gives me a great bird's eye view of being able to say, all right, hey, guys, like we're working together. We respect our team. Right. Uh, we're not settling. Right. 
Um, but that collaboration piece is, is a challenge. Um, and that's hard in any job. That's hard in any role, really. Uh, but I feel like that's the challenge that we have been given in this role of client success in the department that I'm building. Um, and we take on challenges and we're, we're trying to be very, um, constructive and, and have a, a servant leadership part when we go and work alongside these other teams and, uh, and, and ensure that what is done in the collaboration is that at the end of the day, our customers serve, the people that are in, involved in it are, are getting what they need out of it, and, you know, we can move forward business as usual. You know, as we talk about these core values, three of those strike me as concepts that I see in other environments. The specific reference would be respect the team, mm -hmm. obsess over the customer, do right. Um, but there's some unique ones in here that I'd like to ask you to kind of elaborate. And, yeah. and that is, when you mentioned never settle, that strikes me as a, a unique core value. What does that mean to Steam Logistics? So I think when we talk about settling, I think especially in the supply chain world and, and in uh, transportation in general, um, we don't want to kind of throw up our hands and just say, all right, you know, we can't, we can't figure this out. Um, I think what we are trying to always do is strive for more. Um, how can we serve more? How can we do more? Um, so we don't want to settle and just give up on what it is that we're doing um, or how we're providing the solution or how we're trying to figure out how to engage more or do more. Um, we don't want to give up um, and never settling. That, that goes right alongside with that um, eager salesman attitude of where they, they, you can't, you, can't, you can't stifle that hunger and that drive. You don't settle for anything. You really just keep going. You keep grinding. You keep doing more um, in order to provide this experience, um, both for our carriers and our customers. The one that reads, greatness requires grit. Boy, I just love that. <laughs> just not only because of the uh, alliteration, but greatness requires grit. That could be misconstrued. That's not necessarily saying that you're just a you're not being pompous there, but no. when, when you post that, when y'all talk about greatness requires grit, how did you, how do you explain in a way that people can relate to? Yeah. So everything that we're trying to do here at steam is more, it means that you got to dig your heels in. Um, it means that we're going to go above and beyond. It means that you might have to work late. It means that you might have to stay longer. It means that you might have to answer the phone on the weekend. It means that you might have to, uh, work through a lunch so that you can provide um, a solution. And that grittiness, that um, that drive, that desire is instilled here. And it comes from our leadership down. I know that you see Steve. I know that you see his, his posts on LinkedIn. Um, he is that energized and that, you know, jazzed up all the time. And it's because he really wants to drive that behavior within the people that are here on the floor. In our environment, I had to go find a, a very quiet room to, to do this recording because our environment's very loud. It's very exciting. It's very um, almost Wolf of Wall Street type mentality. <laughs> so that, uh, that, that in order for us to be great, in order for us to really um, do more and achieve all of our all of the things that we try to do here at Steam, you do have to have um, a bit of a bit of grittiness to you. You have to have a little bit more than just your average go-getter. And uh, I see that in the people that we bring here. I see that in the uh, the leadership that we have here. Um, it's from the top down. You know, Heather, we've talked a bit about providing best-in-class service to your, your outside customers as mm -hmm. well as inside customers. 
because of kind of what Bench Builder does for its client, I'm particularly interested in the inside customers, namely mm-hmm. employees. Yeah. Um, something that you shared with me via link, but we've not talked about. But when you're growing that fast, I think you said you're, you've exceeded 700 employees, and that's mm-hmm. a rapid growth. Um, there's a program that you're all are part of. You may have even founded it called In Non-Competes. Yeah. And um, I was intrigued by that. Can you share a little bit about what In Non-Competes is? Yeah, absolutely. So this is a movement that we uh, spearheaded, um, and I'm really excited about it. Um, it's something that is very passionate to me. I came, um, I've, I've seen it in our industry, and it's kind of, as, as Jason kind of coined it, Jason Provencia, our CEO, said, it's a dirty little secret in our industry, and it is. Um, it's something that... Um, Many folks are given when they very first enter into working for a, a third-party logistics company and or, you know, an asset-based company, but it's a, a non-compete essentially is going to stifle your ability to take what it is that you um, have entered into, your career in logistics, and say, all right, if you decide that this isn't going to work for you, um, you can't go to another uh, competitor in the industry and continue your career. Um, and to me, that is just absolutely ridiculous. Um, that's like taking a, you know, a hairdresser who's gone to school to learn how to do hair and then she decides she wants to leave or go somewhere else and telling her she can't do that. Um, so we've really taken a stance on not providing that. We don't offer one at Steam Logistics. Um, we do have non-solicits in place because that's protective of our industry and that makes sense. Um, but a non-compete really can um, paralyze somebody from growth. Um, and it paralyzes somebody from being able to provide um, their knowledge to our ultimate, you know, ultimately our, our industry. Um, you can't take what it is that you've learned in the industry and go somewhere else if you're under a non-compete. Um, and that means that your career is over there. Um, and it can pe- keep people out of the industry for years um, at some pla- in some places. Um, there's a lot of bribery that goes with non-compete sometimes. Um and it really doesn't benefit anybody because it's just going to disgruntle an employee who's under one uh, as they work for you because they'll know that they are trapped, essentially. So STEAM took a stance. Um, we, we invite others to join us along our end non-competes um, and uh, eliminate that from the supply chain world um, so that people can continue to benefit what it is that we do for the supply chain and be able to work where it is that they want to work um, with the people and the culture that they want to be a part of and not um, halt their career. It seems to me that when you're trying to attract top talent, yeah, that going on record that we embrace this elimination of non-competes, not only do you do it, but you've kind of solicited, actually competitors, if you would, to join yeah. in that effort. It seems to me that that would make Steam Logistics a, a more attractive employer option for candidates. Absolutely. Um, Being transparent is huge, right? That's your first step in creating a really great environment to work in. So having that transparency up front is huge. And because of the fact that we advertise it, when you're 21 coming into our industry straight off, you know, or straight out of college and you haven't, you know, you've never really worked anywhere before, we don't want to trap you and make you feel like, hey, this is your one shot, your only shot, and you get here and you're gonna be stuck here. Um, And that's really important. Um, And that is gonna allow us to be able to recruit better talent because people will understand that they have freedoms 
um, to be able to go and do what they need to do um, and work where they need to work and provide what their skill sets to this industry. And that's the that's the most important thing is that we all are part of the supply chain, whether you work for us or whether you work for another logistics company in town. Um, and we don't want to inhibit people to where they cannot bring their talent elsewhere and 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 succeed and be and be better elsewhere. You know, that's a perfect illustration of trying to eliminate the sense of an employee feeling stuck yeah. by eliminating these uh, non-competes. Can you share an example where a, a client, perhaps, of, of yours got stuck, and what did it take to get unstuck? Yeah, so we're solutions-oriented, right? And a lot of times our clients get stuck with um, a number of things. It can happen with their uh, billing processes. It can happen with containers being stuck at the port. It can happen with... Um, shipments being hot and needing to go out. Um, I think one of my favorite examples was a client of ours um, had a very, very unique situation out of the Pacific Northwest, and they needed to take that shipment all the way to Chicago, and they needed it there immediately. Mm. Uh, they needed it there yesterday. And it was during a time, Q4 last year, um, there was a lot of equipment shortages. There was a lot of um, congestion at the ports and lots of different things going on that was making life pretty miserable. Um, especially for our customers. And uh, they reached out, um, they needed a solution, they needed a solution fast. And because of our deep partnerships and our relationships uh, with the carriers that we have in our network, we were able to provide a, a quick solution for them um, that was gonna allow them to save money. Um, and it was going to allow them to get what they needed done and get it there fast. Um, and it was a pretty uh, large ask, um, but we, we didn't, you know, we're not in the business of gouging people. We're not in the business of trying to m monopolize this market, uh, we're just trying to do what we can do in the best way that we know how to do it. So uh, we provided the solution for them. We were able to get them what they needed on time um, in a shipment and it, and it deepened that trust, right? So our, our external clients, they've got to build that trust there with us and, and it deepened that trust for them. Um, I could go into many other details of, of other situations where we've had to be very creative. Um, I believe actually at the, the conference that we were at, um, U.S. have talked to talked about it a little bit with us, um, but providing a transloading option uh, was pretty unique. Uh, that's not something that happens all all the time, um, but we've started doing that with many clients where um, we will take the shipment, uh, we'll find a warehouse where we can offload it, and then put it on the back of a flatbed and take that flatbed to the door. So we're able to provide two options there for them, um, whereas some other companies wouldn't be able to provide such a quick uh, solution for them. So um, when they're stuck and they can't find the, the, the equipment, they can tap into Steam and uh, we're able to, to pull through for them. And that's, that's always very rewarding. That's a perfect example. I'd like to go back to uh, customer success for a moment. On your website, um, there's a reference to a white glove experience. And I think I know what that means, but what does mm -hmm. a white glove experience mean to Steam Logistics? I guess in my mind, it's very much like fine dining, right? So you mm. go and you have somebody really taking care of you, paying a lot of attention to you. Um, every 3PL has, you know, hundreds, thousands of customers, right? So our goal is to make it feel like we are, they are the only customer that we have. And mm. that's what white glove means to me. It's like that fine dining. It's, providing, um, you know, the extra things, um, providing extra visibility, extra communication, um, reporting, data, um, customer business reviews, visits. Um, 
you know, we even go so far, I, I, they've been online and they've been all over LinkedIn, but, and I get reached out constantly about our, our swag boxes that we send to our clients and customers. Um, and they're just the little details of just saying, hey, we really appreciate you. We, th we thank you so much for this business. We value your partnership and we want to ensure that it lasts a long time. And so we're going to go above and beyond and make you feel um, and, and let you know that uh, you, you're important to us. And so what it is that you need, we'll, pro we'll provide a solution. Um, communication is usually going to be pretty, pretty high in buying criteria for a customer, right? They want to have really clear communication. Um, and so what do we need to do to go above and beyond to make sure that you get the communication that you require? Um, and it's more than just asking for business. It's developing a really deep relationship. So to me, white glove experience is that above and above and beyond extra steps that you take. It's slowing down. Um, it's reflecting on your business partnership. Um, it's communicating and talking about what is working and what is not working. It's having hard conversations, but it's also having really positive conversations and showing through data how we are providing value to their supply chain. And uh, it's, it's, it's just so rewarding. I said, I've said that a few times, but it's very rewarding to be able to, to go above and beyond for a customer. You made a comment a moment ago about providing data and that is sometimes these things can feel very subjective, mm -hmm. um, but by providing data, you you make it more objective. You're providing mm -hmm. client specific examples of kind of what you're doing. I was introduced, I don't know if I'm gonna properly pronounce this term, but when you're talking about that little extra, I think the pronunciation is lanyap, and I was introduced to it at a French restaurant. Huh. <laughs> and what I understood a lanyap was is if the server brings out something you didn't order, but it enriches the dining experience, uh, it, that would be considered a lanyap. And that is, you didn't expect it, but then the server shows up and you kind of go, wow, I wasn't expect that. And the, the comment is the compliments of the house, if you would, is that it doesn't really matter what it is the server's bringing, but when it's done, done right, it's very clear that the diner is very, very important. It's critically important. And what you just described, I don't know what's in your swag box. Mm -hmm. uh, you probably mix it up. What have you found is the most well-received item that's in a typical swag box? Oh man, I guess it depends on the client. Um, they really enjoy seeing pictures, right? So if we send a postcard with the actual team that manages and we put some personal touch behind it, that's really valuable to a client because we live in such a world that is so digital, you know, where everything is so like via email, via text, um, it's not personable, it's not in, in face. And so um, specifically my group um, talks to that point, uh, we talk about hey, put on a Teams meeting, actually be in front of your client, send them a postcard that has your team's picture on it so that they see who it is that they're working with. Because, you know, our work life is Monday through Friday, right? Mm -hmm. Eight to five, sometimes more. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> but when you're that involved with another person, and some of these customers are, you know, mom and pop type uh, situations, they're not big corporate. And so they really, really love to see who it is that's managing this, special item that they ship, that they have invested in, believe in, love, care for. 
um, who's handling that? Who's handling the care of that item? So um, uh, I think the pictures do the most value. Our swag boxes contain, you know, theme logoed uh, beneficial items like pens and notebooks, uh, sticky notes. Um, we also uh, will sometimes, you know, send other items uh, nonchalantly or whatever from, from the individual, but um, those are what's typically in there. So I love the idea of the pictures, and it's not just a generic picture. Um, it's their team. It's They can look at that picture, set it up next to their computer, and basically say, ah, those are the people who made that happen. Um, great idea. I love that. Yeah. I think that it just adds a personal touch, um, and it adds uh, just a, a next level of value, something complimentary um, that that people just really value and, and find uh, to be beneficial. Heather, as you kind of reflect on our conversation, we've discussed primarily the topic of providing customers with best-in-class service, but we've expanded that to include internal customers, employees, uh, and the like. What do you want to be the takeaways for our listeners? I think um, creating an experience that is um, just very uh, white glove service, um, best in class, I think those two terms really coin what it is that we offer at STEAM. I think um, knowing that people coming to our industry to be employed within our industry, I want them to know that they have a lot of support here. I think that can be very scary jumping into this supply chain world um, when you're new and you've not had any experience or exposure to what it is that we do here. Um, but I also think that um, what we add um, externally and, and the kind of experience that we create is very important. And um, I think that the, the biggest takeaway is for anybody in any business um, is that servant leadership and having that, you know, that, that creative approach to how you're going to support your team and your culture and, and your company is, is just um, kind of next level here. So if anything, that's what we want to know. I want people that look at Steam and, and see our expansive uh, growth and see all that we're doing here. Um, I want them to know that um, we've got a great culture. We've got a great uh, infrastructure support, and we're very proud of it, and we're excited to see all the things that are, that are happening for us. Heather, you are a perfect ambassador for Steam Logistics. Thank you. Thank you for sharing uh, your insights and a little bit of behind the curtain uh, of Steam Logistics and what it really means to provide that type of white glove service. Thank you. You're more than welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Mike. I appreciate it. I also want to thank our listeners for joining us today. We upload the latest episode every Thursday to all the major platforms, including Apple and Spotify. So if you've enjoyed this episode with Heather, please subscribe. Are you trying to grow your business and want to make sure you've got the right people, processes, and planning systems in place to grow smoothly? If yes, let's talk. Head over to unstuck.show and schedule a quick non-sales call. We'll talk about your growth goals and I'll offer you some actionable advice to help you grow your business. So I want to thank you for joining us and I hope you have picked up on some tips from Heather that will help you get unstuck and on target. Until next time.